morning. Thanks for joining me for another edition of Business and Legal Q&A Live. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, and uh, here we are today, March 31st. I can't believe March has flown by this quickly. I don't understand what's happening with time. Um, and it just seems like it was January, although here in the East Coast, it feels like it's January. I don't understand what happened to spring either. Uh, but here we are, the last show of March 2015, and uh, of course, we'll be back next week with Business and Legal Q&A Live, uh, but we'll be in April. So here we go. Um, today we've got some really good questions. We always have. We've got business and illegal. And so if you are interested in learning about uh, why an attorney would want to settle a case and whether or not that means that the attorney is losing faith in you or your case, we're going to discuss that in today's legal question. And then in today's business session, what should you do as a business owner and receive a negative online review? So if you're interested in either of those topics, then I encourage you to stick around. We're going to get to that in a few minutes. But before we do, I just want to make a couple routine announcements. I'd like to thank our sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Audible. And Audible, if you don't know, and I don't know how you wouldn't know, is the, uh, the largest online provider of audio books uh, that's out there. And if, for me... Being very busy and trying to fit reading into my schedule is very difficult, but I can listen to audiobooks when I'm commuting or when I'm, uh, you know, waiting in a waiting room for, for somebody for an appointment for a meeting. And it's really easy to just, uh, you know, download it on my phone and plug it into the car, plug it into my, you know, plug my headphones in, and I can get some uh, decent amount of time with the, you know, materials in. And, and I really love Audible for that. Um, it's something that I use probably you know, five or six times a week. And um, you know, they are sponsoring the show, and they're also providing our listeners with a free book, which is kind of cool. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash you go radio, uh, you will be able to download a free audiobook. There's also a free trial that they offer, but the audiobook is free. So I would encourage you, if you're interested in trying Audible but you've never done it before, or if you just want a free book, go over to that uh, that special link that I told you about. It's also on our website, utlradio.com. Um, that leads me into my next uh, announcement, which is the website, utlradio.com. We've updated it. We've added cool features. I've been talking about this for a couple weeks now, and I really want to encourage you guys to move over to this new platform of asking questions. So on the website, there is a uh, tab up top, Ask Your Question tab, and it is a page where you click on it midway down the page, a little button in the, in the screen, and all you do is click on that button and then record your question, it's your business or legal question, directly to your computer. And then we get notification of your question, and then I can play your question live on air, which is a really neat feature. And uh, it's something that I had uh, first seen on Pat Flynn's podcast. And uh, he turned turned me on to the idea. And it would work really, really well for uh, what we do here. Uh, We still get most of our questions from either YouTube comments, Facebook, or direct emails. I would say 98% is uh, direct email. And then there's probably a percent that's phone calls. But try it out. I mean, it's doesn't cost anything. It's free, but it's just kind of cool. And if you want to have your question aired live, uh, this is the way to do it. We get to hear your voice. You ask the question, and then I get a chance to respond. 
So try that out, utlradio.com, and click on the Ask Your Question tab. The other thing that I want to mention uh, is the app. Now, it's obviously it's an app for the law firm, um, which is kind of uh, tied into UTL Radio in a way because the app allows you to listen to UTL Radio broadcasts. It has access to the full video library, and that's a free app too. Uh, you can get it now on the Android market, which is the first time that we've introduced it for Android. It's always been available for iTunes. We've updated it. We've added some pretty unique features. Uh, there's a lot of free information about the law. There's an ability for you to ask a legal question to attorney directly from the app. Again, there's no cost. There's no fee. There's no add-ons. It's just a way for us to connect with you, um, and it really helps enhance the UTL radio shows. So take a look at that. There's a link on utlradio.com where you can download the free app. So check that out, too. All right, so that's going to do it for the announcements. Uh, let's get into the questions. Oh, before, one more thing. If you missed yesterday's Week in Review with me and Bob Hughes, that's available now on iTunes for download. And if you haven't already, this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, um, and you haven't subscribed to our, our feed, I encourage you to do that. You're notified immediately when new episodes come out, and you'll be able to kind of stay on top of what's going on uh, with the law, with business, and it's just a, an easy way for you to, to stay connected. So if you haven't subscribed, you can do that. Also, we are streaming live again on YouTube Live through Google Hangouts. Uh, yesterday during the live Week in Review show, there was some kind of weird glitch, and the YouTube Live feature just shut down. So we don't have a video up for yesterday's show, but it is available on iTunes and through blogtalkradio.com. Okay, so let's get to the first question. This question is asked by Karen. So, Karen, thank you for your question. You'll be getting a PL Radio mug. Her question is, my attorney wants me to settle. Is he giving up on me? And I'm going to paraphrase what her legal case is about just for clarification. So, suing a car dealership for defective um, repairs, essentially, on her vehicle. And it's it's outside the Lemon Law. It, it has to do with a consumer fraud transaction. She's essentially alleging that the repair shop committed consumer fraud by making certain uh, warranties and representations. And, and she's asking whether or not her attorney is giving up on her because he wants her to settle. Now, I don't know exactly, Karen, what your specific scenario is with respect to what settlement is being offered. But I, I want to address settlement because this is something that comes up all the time. And your question, Karen, is really, really relevant because so many people say the same thing. If my attorney wants me to settle, does, he, does that mean he doesn't care or she doesn't care about me anymore? Perhaps that I was lying or not telling the truth. And that's just not accurate. So why would an attorney make a recommendation of settlement to a client, especially when at the beginning of your relationship, I'm sure the attorney spoke with you and said to you, yes, I think you have a good case. Yes, take the case. Yes, here's what I think we can do. Maybe even given you some projected outcomes. Well, it's possible that we could um, prevail at trial on the consumer fraud count. 
it's possible that we could do this or that. And so you get that sense, that, that sort of belief that your attorney's on your side and that he's going to help you produce results based upon what you initially said. Now, all of a sudden, you've got an attorney that wants you to settle. So why? There are so many reasons why, but let's take um, sort of the most common reason, if you will, and I'll explain it. Sometimes, throughout the course of litigation, facts are uncovered. Facts are discovered, right? Remember that that period after you serve your complaint and you get an answer, before trial is called discovery. And there's a reason it's called discovery. You're trying to discover facts and evidence that's going to either support or defend your case. Now, sometimes throughout the course of a case, what originally appeared to be a quote-unquote slam dunk, although, God, I hope no attorney ever uses that terminology because there is no such thing. But um, let's assume that you were under the impression that you had a really solid consumer fraud case. And then all of a sudden, your attorney starts saying, look, here's a settlement offer. I think you should consider it. Well, why? It's perhaps because throughout the course of discovery, testimony, evidence was made available that sort of changed the attorney's mind and made him or her think, well, we're going to have a hard time at trial because some of these facts and some of this testimony that's come out is damaging to us. Now, let me explain this part of it, okay, because this is where it's hard for people to, to wrap their head around it. When you're in the right, okay, when you are the victim of, a, of some sort of negligence, in this case, consumer fraud or misrepresentation, you want results. You want vindication. You want justice, right? Oh, justice. Well, the legal system is not about justice. Crazy, right? But it's not. Because here's what happens. And I've said this in lectures so many times, and people laugh at it, but it's the truth. What happens if your case doesn't resolve itself before trial, either via settlement or summary judgment? You go to trial. And who decides your fate at trial? A jury of your peers. And let's talk about your peers for a minute. Have you ever served on jury duty? I'd love to hear from you if you have. So drop, a, drop a note, drop a comment, join in now, call into the show, 347 um, 855 because I totally want to hear from you. Have you ever been on jury duty and been super excited about it? I'm going to venture to say that 95% of you who have been on jury duty have no interest in being there. It's a hassle. It's an inconvenience. You lose money and time from work. You're not excited about being on jury duty. However, there's 5% of the people, right, that this is the best thing that has ever happened to them. This is the moment that they've been waiting for all their lives. Yes, jury duty. Because they are going to have their hands in civil litigation, and it's the most exciting moment of their lives. And I kid you not, there's always that one juror on a panel who is happier than a pig in you-know-what, and he just, this is his life's goal. And that person typically becomes the foreman. Why? Because nobody else wants to do it. Nobody else wants to be there. But this guy's super jazzed. Okay, so 
you get through the case. And most of the people on the jury, when it's civil litigation, they don't care. It's not it's not criminal. It's not somebody going to jail. It's not exciting. It's not glamorous. It's, in Karen's case, a car repair shop that made a misrepresentation. Now, how, how sexy is that to a jury? So what happens? So they go in to deliberate, and the foreperson is like, I read up on this. I know about this. This isn't right. This is fraud. This is misrepresentation, and, and I think that this should happen. And most of the people sitting on the jury say, okay, whatever. I just want to get the hell out of here. And so that's justice. That's fairness. That's how the legal system works. Hard to believe, hard to follow, but that's the reality of it. I have seen it so many times. You always have that one hero on the jury, the one guy or girl, best moment of their lives. So you have to think about that. When you take your case to trial, there is so much uncertainty. You don't know whether or not a jury is going to like you. Maybe a jury doesn't believe you. A jury doesn't like your attorney. Right? All these things are factors that don't play into whether or not you were wronged in, in, in a matter. Right? Maybe they don't like you. Maybe you're obnoxious. Maybe you come across as cold. Maybe you're bitter. Maybe you didn't do well at your deposition. Maybe you were nervous beyond what's reasonable or normal. Maybe you said way too much. Maybe you were argumentative. Maybe the other attorney was able to get you worked up. And that attorney knows, oh, if I got her worked up at deposition, just wait until trial. And so now you're on the stand. And the attorney knows that they can get your gun. And they do. And the jury sees it. And you're a raving lunatic because this guy is pushing all the right buttons. What do you think a jury's going to do? You think they're going to understand that? They're going to see a calm, respectful, reasonable attorney just asking questions, and you're flying off the handle. But you are experiencing all these emotions, and he knows it, and that's why he's doing it. So those factors go through an attorney's mind, Karen, your attorney's mind, that attorney make a recommendation about the possibility of settlement because settlement is a sure thing. If a settlement offer has been made to you, then you are guaranteed that if you accept that offer, you are going to get X amount of money. So I don't know what the settlement offer was to you, Karen, but let's assume for a minute it's $20,000. You're guaranteed $20,000 unless you've got a rock, rock solid case and all of the evidence is there to support you. And you've testified at that and you've done a great job. And your witnesses are all online. And there's no discrepancies, no holes. Then you're not guaranteed money at trial. Even if they made you a settlement offer. I'm going to give you a, an example, Karen. And this is something that I think you've got to just focus on. We had a case a few years ago with a very, very serious uh, motor vehicle accident. And the insurance company made an offer to the plaintiff. We were representing the insurance company. And the offer was about $125,000. So that's no, you know, that's not chump change. That's a, a, a big amount. But the plaintiff's attorney had built his client's expectations up so high and said, listen, I think this is a $250,000, $275,000 case. 
So that client, when they had an offer of 125000 they turned it down, scoffed at it. How dare you? You know, you're insulting me. Well, here's what happens. So we go to trial, and throughout the course of discovery, we had um, brought in an expert and developed a, a, a very, very strong defense. And essentially, plaintiff was claiming we were turning around to show that it was really her fault. And, in belief, and, and based upon the evidence, it really was her fault. So it's not like we were fabricating anything. We were defending the claim based upon facts. So she presents her case at trial, and the judge calls a conference after her, her case. And we you know, cross-examined her and poked a lot of holes, poked holes in her expert testimony. The judge says, listen, counselor, if I were you, I would really strongly advise your client to accept the offer. It's still on the table, but once the defense attorney presents his case, it's off the table. I think a bad case. I don't think you're going to get more than the amount to settle. Of course, he wouldn't take it. At that point, his client wouldn't allow him to take it because he had pumped her up so much. We present our case and our witnesses, and sure enough, the jury finds in our favor. And so, couldn't appeal because there's no error of law, just what the jury decided. And this woman left $120,000 on the table. Now, that was a sure thing. She could have taken that money, and she would have definitely been guaranteed to have it. Unfortunately, greed and um, I think unrealistic expectations take hold, and you don't want to accept the fact that you've got risk at trial. So, Karen, why would your attorney recommend to you that you settle? It's because uncertainty at trial might prevent you from recovering anything. And perhaps your attorney has seen things throughout the case, whether it's the way you testified, whether it's some of the evidence they presented, whether it's the strength of the uh, defendant's testimony. Any of those things could be a factor. So here's what I think you should do. Go sit down with your attorney and ask him and say, look, why are you telling me to settle? What is the reasoning? And if he can articulate it and say to you, listen, your testimony was bad. You were very nervous. You're not going to do well in front of a jury. Um, I think you should settle. Then you've got to consider it. Settlement not failure. Settlement is not um, your attorney turning his back on you. Settlement is not because your attorney doesn't believe you. Your attorney is trying to do the best for you, what's in your best interests. So consider that when you have a case. Consider why a recommendation is being made to you. And there are those cynics out there, like myself, who would say, well, sometimes maybe the attorney is just looking to dump the case. And, you know, you need to figure that out and talk to your attorney about that. But that's rare circumstances. And you know when your attorney's not interested in you, right? When he or she doesn't return your phone calls, doesn't return your emails, drops you, drops off the face of the earth. That, that is an attorney that doesn't care. But when an attorney says, listen, Karen, I really think you should seriously consider settlement, that's a different story. So I don't think your attorney doesn't care about you. I think your attorney is probably trying to do what's in your best interest. So keep that in mind. 
Um, that's that's it with settlement. Settlement is a, a component of litigation, something that you've got to understand is a way to get you guaranteed money versus the uncertainty of trial. And are there times that you try a case? Absolutely. But that's why, right, this uncertainty, that's why so many cases, huge percentage of cases, I can't remember what the last percentage was uh, for 2014, but it's something like 98, 97.5% of all litigation cases throughout the country result in settlement versus a jury verdict. Keep that in mind. All right, Karen, thank you again for your question, and a mug will be going out to you. Next, I want to get to Matthew's question, and Matthew asks uh, or says, I've received a bad review online. What can I do? So a little bit of backstory about Matthew's situation. He is a restaurant owner, and he received a negative post on uh, Yelp, and he wants to know what he can do about it. Now, I don't know the extent of the, the comments, but I want to give you a general overview. Um, and this is good for you guys out there that are in consumer land, too, like you know, like we all are. Even if we're business owners, we're also consumers. So this is some, some good information for you with respect to online reviews. Um, I keep bumping in the microphone. Sorry about that. All right, so... If you tuned in yesterday, you know that we talked about some uh, recent developments with cases involving Yelp and defamation claims that are filed against people, customers, that are posting things online. And some of those cases result in favorable outcomes or settlements for the plaintiff, for the restaurant or business owner. Well, that's not the typical result. And I want to kind of explain a little bit about that. And then, Matthew, I'm going to give you some options, some things that you could do with respect to the complaint that you received. All right. Now, first of all, why do online uh, reviews matter? Well, they matter significantly because in today's modern day and age, you know, when people want to buy a product, they look at the reviews on Amazon. They look at the reviews on Yelp if they want to go to a restaurant because we're in a in a tough economy still, and and we live in the Northeast, or I live in the Northeast, and I'll tell you, my wife and I have been talking about looking for another place to live in another part of the country because the Northeast is just so ridiculously overpriced, so expensive, and for what you get here, for how hard you have to work to maintain it, oh, it's just not worth it. I mean, people spend their whole lives just trying to stay afloat here in the Northeast. And it's it's disheartening at some point. But I'm, I'm getting way off here. Um, let me bring myself back and explain what I'm trying to connect this to. Money doesn't grow on trees. And consumers are savvy. They don't want to go to a restaurant where they're going to have a bad experience. And they don't want to determine whether or not that experience is going to be good or bad through trial and error. Okay? They want to know... Right off the bat, is it good or bad? Well, how do you do that? You look at online reviews, and there's so many hundreds of them for businesses. People are reviewing businesses, products, services on YouTube. There's posts on Amazon. There's posts on Yelp. There's you know an inordinate amount of information out there about local businesses and services. So when you've got a business that has received a tremendous amount of positive reviews, it adds some level of comfort or protection for the consumer. Yeah, they're going to take a, sh a shot at you because 
um, you know, 40 people left positive reviews. But what about the guy who has three negative reviews? I mean, look, think about if you've ever sold or purchased a product on, on eBay. Don't you look at the seller's feedback rating? And if they have a negative feedback rating, do you want to do business with them? Do you want to take that risk in today's day and age where you work so hard for your money and you want to get the most bang for your buck? Yeah, absolutely you do. Same thing here. Now, the same way you don't know anything about that eBay seller, maybe you had a real jerk as a customer who left a scathing review simply because they hate everybody including you. How are you able to explain that? How are you able to show other customers, hey, wait a minute, this wasn't me. He didn't do anything wrong. This is a, just an angry customer that would have been angry with anybody. Moses could have come down and, and offered to give the Ten Commandments to her for free, and she still would have been unhappy. That sort of customer. And we all know they're out there. And some of us who might listen to this, this podcast, you guys, one of you out there might be that bad consumer. All right, so it's important because that's how people make their decisions, where and how much money they're going to spend, who they're going to spend it on, what they're going to do with their Saturday night. Important, okay? Undisputed fact, important online reviews. Now, there are angry people. I, I'm cynical, but I'm also being realistic. How many times have you been in line at a, a, a grocery store or a retail establishment, and there's always that one person online, well, I only wore the dress for a funeral once, and I want you to take it back, and I want all my money returned. You know, you've heard it before. I'll never forget, I was in a store, and that same scenario played itself out. I was behind a woman who was trying to return a dress that she wore to a funeral, but the dress was purchased by her ex-husband, and they had just recently been divorced, and she wanted the, the dress to be refunded to her credit card, even though it was purchased on her husband's, right? Insanity, but it happens. So you've got bad customers out there, and you're never going to make everybody happy. There's always going to be something that happens with a customer, and there's always going to be the possibility that maybe you just had a bad day. You had a bad showing at work. You know, you didn't put out your best food. You didn't give your best, uh, you know, advice. You were tired. Something happened. It's we're human. It happens, right? So, Matthew, you've got this online review. What can you do about it? Well, we've established that it does impact you, and you need to address it. We've established that it could be the result of an actual error that you made, or just a disgruntled, angry person. Now let's take that, put it aside for a second, and move into this idea of defamation. A lot of people are being led astray into believing, a lot of business owners, that if somebody leaves a negative review about you, something like Yelp, because of the Yelp lawsuits that have been um, being filed recently, that you've got a great defamation claim. Well, I'm not going to get into defamation because I want to try to keep this podcast shorter, but I'll tell you this. Opinion and truth are defenses to defamation. If I have an opinion that your restaurant is overpriced, does that mean that that statement is defamatory? 
If my opinion is that your service sucks, is that defamatory? No, it's my opinion. We're all entitled to our opinion. Now, if I said I went to the restaurant and the waiter that waited on me had, you know, scabies and was filthy and the, the you know, there were um, all sorts of, of nasty feces-covered, you know, thing and really fabricating it. Yeah, that could be defamatory. Here's why the Yelp cases that have been filed that have succeeded, succeed. Because they are posts made by disgruntled people, sometimes people that haven't even been a recipient of the product or service. One I talked about yesterday involved a man or woman coming into an establishment. It was caught on surveillance uh, tape. He was only in there for like three minutes. He didn't buy. He didn't do anything. Walked in. Walked out. I don't know what his problem was. Maybe he had some sort of beef with the owner that we didn't know about. And he posted this negative, negative, scathing online review about his experience there at that restaurant. But it never happened. I don't remember if it was a restaurant or a, a retail establishment, but it never happened. And the owner, fortunately for him, had the surveillance and was able to show a jury, look, how could this guy say that on this date he was in here and here's what happened to him when I've got surveillance video that shows him walk in and walk out. When somebody posts a truly false comment about you on Yelp or a review site, you might have a legal claim. You might be able to file a, def a defamation action. But the majority of these, these comments that are left online, you don't have a great deal of recourse because unless you are like that business owner that was able to pull surveillance video and say you weren't in the store, what are you going to do? So Matthew, you know, what I would say to you is, can you determine whether or not the customer that made this post is actually a customer of yours? Is there something that he or she said in the uh, online review that's clearly not your restaurant or not something that would have happened there? So for example, if um, if you don't have any Asian waiters or waitresses and they're talking about the poor service they received from an Asian waitress or waiter, if that's not you, then maybe you might have something and then I would encourage you to reach out and get a lawyer and see what you can do about that because that claim could be completely made up. But if you look at the review and it looks like you, it looks like it's your business and it's something that is Legit, you know, it could have happened. They're talking about food you served. There was a picture of your food. They're talking about waiters or waitresses that you might employ. There's a good chance you will not prevail in a defamation claim because it is their opinion. Okay, so what do you do? Well, here's what I would suggest to you. And, and there might be people that will disagree, but here's, here's what I would do. Read them. Don't stick your head in the sand. Right? Don't say there's no weeds in the garden. Read them and see what people are saying. Because sometimes you're going to get some positive feedback out of a negative review. It's going to allow you to turn your business around if you know somebody has identified an issue. I'll give you an example. I posted a YouTube video, I don't know, six months ago. And it was about whether or not you could take video of an officer who was pulling somebody over for a traffic stop. 
And the content, what I was saying in the video, was really important. And it was based off of a, uh, a case that had just been decided. And it was really sort of a pivotal case because it was clarifying a lot of issues. But my video was slightly out of focus. I was using a DSLR, and it was the first time that I had set it up myself to record myself, and it was out of focus. So the focus was on this green plant that was off to the right of me. So somebody posted online under my YouTube video that it would be illegal for you to take a blurry video and post it online. Now, he's right. Not that it should be illegal, but it was blurry. So what, do I, what did I do? I wrote back to him, and I said, and obviously everybody can see it in the chain of, of posts on, on the YouTube page, I said, you're right, it should be. It was totally blurry, but I felt that the content was so strong that I should just leave the video up, and I made corrections for the next time. And a couple people kind of jumped on that and, and sort of um, agreed with me and, and sort of supported me. Now, that, and I'm not saying I do everything right, but that I did right, um, that's the way that I would encourage you to respond. Look at the comment. If it's a comment about slow service, bad service, bad food, bland taste of your food, any of these things that might have happened, why don't you acknowledge it? Why don't you reach out to that customer via Yelp where you get a chance to, to post something in response and say, I'm sorry that you had a bad experience that night, and it's not typical. As you can see, look at our positive reviews on this site or that site, you know, or this write-up we had in a newspaper, a local newspaper. Come back in. And we'll give you 10%, 15%, 20% off your meal. Come back in, and we'll give you free drinks. Come back in, and we want to make it up to you. Do you know how much um, PR that you just generated at zero cost to you, with the exception of maybe a giveaway of some, some food or, or drink? That is the way that I would handle negative comments online. Because now you can post something positive, and the next person that goes online and reads that response, it's not an angry nonsense response like "How dare you! You you know you don't know what you're doing. You wouldn't know good food it fell on you." Those comments aren't helpful because then people are like, "Oh my God, what an asshole!" You know, uh, why would he post that? What a jerk! But if you respond properly and acknowledge that it's not typical. This is an atypical situation. Let's make it up to you. When the, the next person who sees that negative comment and then sees your post following it, they're going to be like, wow, look at that responsibility, that sense of ownership that that business owner has. That's great. You know, you hear all the time, own it, just own it. Well, if you've got something like that online, address it. Turn it around. Make it a positive. And the other thing that you can do with these negative reviews is learn because maybe, maybe you did make a mistake. Maybe there is something you can improve on. Everybody, every business can always improve on something. So why not listen to the people that have the most impact on you, your customers? That's why I encourage businesses to send out feedback requests, depending upon what kind of company or business you are. You want to know what people are saying. You don't want to stick your head in the sand and be that ostrich that has no idea whether or not people like the things that you're doing or not. 
You cannot succeed long-term if you force-feed your stuff, whether it's your beliefs, your services, your views, to customers without listening to what they want to see from you. They may love your initial product or service, but then as things change, as things develop, their lives change, they may look to you to make some modifications in the way that you do things. And if you are set in stone, set in the ways that you do things, right? Like old people set in the ways, set in their ways. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. What do you think is going to happen? Well, that old dog is going to get brought to the pound and that family is going to go pick up a new pup. That's what happens with you as a business owner. You must adapt. You must change. Don't be the ostrich. Read the review and address it. Now, final thought on this. What do you do when you find a negative review? And Matthew, I have no idea if your review that you're, you're talking about is legitimate, is something that maybe you can improve on, is something that you could respond to in a positive way, or if this is just a, a hate letter. They hate you. Maybe it's a competitor. You don't know. Um, and if it's just pure fabrication, what should you do? My opinion, I will still address it. And there's ways to do it. Let's take my example of the uh, the critique about the Asian waiter, and I just pulled that um, you know national origin out of the air just because it's a way to distinguish for me. I, I could have said you know Caucasian or African American, whatever it is. But let's say that you don't employ whatever type of person your restaurant. Um, and so it, it's easy to say, well, I know I don't have any Asians working here, or I know I don't have any African-Americans or Caucasians working here. So um, don't think I'm singling out people that are Asian. Clearly not. I'm just trying to make a point. Um, when you see something like that online, how would you respond? You know you don't have any Asian waitresses, and this complaint is saying how nasty and mean and rotten. How could you respond? You know, this Asian waiter or waitress, how can you respond to that? Well, you can post something like, are you sure you have the right business? We don't have a waiter or waitress fitting that description. I feel terrible that you had that experience wherever you were. I encourage you to give our restaurant a try. In fact, if you mention that you, know, you come into the restaurant, that you're the one who made that post, I'd be happy to give you 15% off just so that we can welcome you to our restaurant and show you how we do things. Because it sounds like you had a really bad experience at that other place. Now, first thing is they're never going to come in, right? Because that's how cowards operate. They hide behind um, you know, the, the anonymity of the Internet. They always have, and they always will. They're never going to come in. They're never going to say, yeah, I'm the one that posted that. But think about the impact that your response will have on all those other people that read that. Oh, my God, right? Wow, look at this. This guy is responding in a calm and business-like manner to a negative post that wasn't even about his restaurant. Look at how he is, is, is responding, and that's great. That's how I would recommend to you that you handle it. And again, if you think that this is just purely defamatory and it's really impacting your business, different story, talk to an attorney. But most of these complaints you see online, they're things you can handle yourself. And I encourage you to do that, to take the bull by the horns, be responsible, don't be the ostrich, and respond. And I think you're going to find yourself 
um, you know, going a long way, you know, being that way and, and getting customers and clients coming back and making comments about you and saying, wow, this is a really great product, service, business, restaurant, whatever it is. So, Matthew, thank you for your question. Um, again, you will be receiving a UTL radio mug. And anybody out there who's heard today's broadcast, whether it was live on YouTube or whether you've downloaded it later uh, via iTunes or, or any of the other podcast uh, websites that we're available on, and you have questions about either of the topics we discussed today, please feel free to drop a comment on the YouTube page, send an email, go to utlradio.com, all the links are there, email, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and YouTube, post your comment, post your question, post your, your feedback, and um, I will address that during the next live business and legal Q&A. In the meantime, keep your questions coming. Um, we have a, a lot of questions that we have to get through, and I'm, I've mentioned this before. I'm thinking about perhaps expanding the broadcast and making it live every day, at least for five days a week. We'll see how that goes. I want to get some more feedback from you guys as to whether or not you would like to see a show like that. Maybe we can cut the time of the show down if it's a daily show. Maybe we stick with one question. Maybe we could alternate business and then the next day legal and the next day business. So give me some feedback on that. Let me know what you think about that before we put that in place. Uh, again, comments, questions, utlradio.com. All the information to contact us is there. Please subscribe. Please contact. Please engage us so that I can give you better and better content because that's how I know whether or not you're liking something. I'm looking at the reviews and the feedbacks, uh, feedback and the comments. So I appreciate it, all of you who who um, you know post and do such nice things. There are so many of you that have left left so many co uh, comments that are just really wonderful, just positive, and I appreciate that. Um, it, it makes this all worth it for me to give out this information to you. So thank you. Uh, final thanks to our sponsor. Remember that if you want the free audio. Book trial.com forward slash UTL radio. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. I look forward to your comments and questions following today's show. Don't forget to use the Ask the Question Speak Pipe widget on utlradio.com and record your question directly through your computer, and then we can play it on air. I'm really looking forward to to building up sort of a repository of those questions. I'll move through them quickly, but it will be kind of cool to play the question right on air. So I encourage you to do that. Don't forget also download the app, free app. It's, uh, it's another way for you to ask your questions. Um, we do take those questions, answer them, and then we'll oftentimes replay them live on the uh, Business and Legal Q&A Live. That's going to do it. That's also going to wrap up March. So we'll be back uh, in April with a whole new series of guests coming up on the Thursday show, as well as our continued Monday Week in Review and Tuesday Business and Legal Q&A Live. If you're interested in hearing business and legal answers to questions on a daily basis, please let me know, and we'll put that in place starting in April. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and sticking with us. And remember that there's power in understanding...
With 25% off all new and up to 70% off previously leased furnishings, do you really need a better reason to party? We don't think so. Come visit our new Court Furniture Clearance Center with more than 9,000 square feet of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home and office. Sofas from $199.99, bedroom sets from $399.99, dining sets from $299.99, and more. Free food, prizes, and fun all weekend long at our Chandelier Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com.